Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Surviving Empathy Podcast. I am your host, Brian Russell of Chef Bright Comedy, and today I have my beautiful wife and co-host, Rebecca Russell, and today we're going to talk all about being human, the social animal. We're calling this show the pros and cons of being a social animal, friendships, and that world out there, and finding your identity and worth in the power struggle that is life. Whether you realize it consciously or not, we are social creatures and we need each other. We need and depend on socialization. But now that we are 8 billion people strong, how do we find our identity, our uniqueness, and our power, and our value in a world that is all trying to become our competition? How do we, in essence, become our truest, strongest, best self in a world that's all basically battling this power struggle of sorts with each other. It's not to be cynical, but we are living in a world that is creating undue competition with one another. So how do we, you know, sort of sort out the right from the wrong? And how do we, at the end of the day, find our empowerment and clarity in a world that is constantly challenging our challenge lines? That's what this episode is going to be all about. I want to thank you guys from my heart and soul. We love you guys. We appreciate your small dollar donations. We can use your help if you go over to our link tree. It's linktree forward slash Chef Bride Comedy where you can help us with our various tip jars as well as our Patreon. You can be a patron for as little as $3 per month, you guys. We're trying to grow the brand and the show. We're trying to get sponsored. But in the meantime, we need you guys. We need your help. Please step up and help us by paying a couple bucks per month until we're big enough and solid enough to no longer need all that kind of charity. We are depending right now on the tips until we get big enough for sponsors. That's what we're trying to do. Thank you so much for your friendship and support. Uh, get comfortable, get a drink, uh, get something to eat. This is a long one, but I think you're going to appreciate it. And let's begin. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Surviving Empathy Podcast. I am your host, Brian Russell of Chef Bright Comedy. And today, ladies and gentlemen, I have my wonderful, beautiful, sweet, friendly, kind, good-hearted wife and co-host, you know her, you love her. She's the best of the best. Please say hello to Rebecca Russell. How you doing, babe? I'm good. Good. So please say hello. <laughs> <laughs> say hello to the folks. If hello. You would. <laughs> uh, I got to get that out of the way. You can't not do that. No. Uh, hey, you guys. Welcome back to another episode. So today, ladies and gentlemen, I'm calling this episode tentatively Social Animals, Friendships and uh, Relationships class systems, power struggles, and how to find your happiness and empowerment in a social class system. So this uh, episode is kind of going to go into uh, two uh, factors, if you will. It's going to go into, we're going to talk about our interpersonal life. That's our life, our personal life with friends, uh, lovers, uh, anybody, our acquaintances, all even our Facebook friends, those are those are all the people that we know on a personal level. And then we're going to talk about social class, talking about whether you're middle class or uh, you know working class. Uh, I sometimes call it or refer to it as the working poor because I think that That's what it is brings days. up what what's wrong with it. Um, but I want to go into a few things about 
how to find your balance and empowerment um, interpersonally and socially in a society, if you will. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, because I was just I was having some uh, issues with some friends as of late, and we'll go into that a little bit later. But I was just thinking about, you know, most people are just you know because we are social animals. Humans are social animals. There's no way to get around that. And, uh, you know, we just watched that Jeffrey Dahmer Confessions of a Serial Killer on Netflix. Yeah, it wasn't the the new series. No, no, it was was a documentary. It it had tape interviews. Yeah, and it's called, uh, uh, I think it's called uh, the Jeffrey Dahmer Tapes. Uh, And so they use audio of the actual interviews when he was caught and all that. And um, it just got me thinking about how uh, a person that lacks social skills or doesn't have friendships, you know, doesn't mean you're necessarily going to turn into Jeffrey Dahmer. (laughs) That's probably a worst case scenario. (laughs) But what it does get me thinking about is how we and our mental health, how do we find that, you know, empowerment and happiness uh, when we're not always feeling so um, alpha, if you will, there's an alpha beta dominant struggle uh, with all people. We're we're always struggling to find our uh, superiority or at least our equality in society, whether that be with your boss or your employer, whether that be with coworkers, whether that be just simply with your friends and acquaintances. At the end of the day, I mean, humans. Um, whether they're sociopaths or psychopaths or sociopaths or somewhere in between, uh, we all are social animals. And it's so interesting and fascinating to me, this human experiment that is this social animal that we are human beings. It's, it's kind of interesting if you start thinking about it on a meta level, you know? It definitely is. Yeah. So like I stated, um, we are a social animal. Um, we're not the only social animal necessarily, but we are definitely the most advanced social animal. And that's why relationships and friendships and acquaintanceships and uh, relationships with our employer and just our relationship in society in a class system uh, is a very complex set of circumstances that is built up over time through our action or inaction, if you will. Um, Our actions contribute to our friendships. Our actions contribute to how uh, we are seen in society in terms of our wealth, in terms of our class and dignity, etc. You know, at the end of the day, if we don't take agency, and I've said this before, if we don't take agency over ourselves, we're going to find out that we have no friends and no good job, and uh, boy, life will just start kicking your ass if you don't start sticking up for yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I wanted to get into this social animal thing. You have an article, and I want to talk about that. Okay, babe, so you have an article there. Uh, Go ahead and talk about the title and tell us basically what it's about. Okay, Um, it's on the website. It's an NBC News um, Better by Today. So apparently the Today Show has a little... uh, website type of deal but anyway it's called in good company why we need other people to be happy Mm -hmm. and um just one of the things that talks about human beings are an ultra social species and our nervous systems expect to have others around us yeah in short according to biology neuroscience psychology and more our bodies actually tend to work better when we're around 
Wow, they were worded that very weird. Um, it says when we're around, not alone. <laughs> when we're around, not when alone. When we're around, not alone. Oh, I, I hate when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So oh pretty gosh. sure it's supposed to say when we're around other people and yeah. not alone. So okay. biologically, psychologically, our bodies work better when we're around other yeah, people. Yeah, I think it offers stimulation. Without stimulation, um, you know, I think... You know, that was the thing that was really weird about that Jeffrey Dahmer uh, documentary is that he claims that he doesn't know how to find, he doesn't understand real compassion. He doesn't understand how to uh, befriend people. He's he's had a few childhood friends, but he really was a loner by the end, not only because of his outrageous lifestyle, of course, but because... Um, he didn't try. He didn't know how to socialize with people. I don't think he yeah. really saw people as human beings. He saw them as objects to control. And uh, that's, you know, one of the first, you know, uh, precepts of understanding a sociopath or, or a psychopath is that they don't see others as human beings. They see an obstacle to either control or get out of the way. Yeah, they're like an object or a means to an end yeah, or they're, just, they're a thing. Hence the they're word not. objectification. Yeah. It yeah. <laughs> kind of reminds me of uh, the Big Lebowski. He's like, he treats objects like women, man. He's all j- right. drunk and <laughs> jacked up. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But exactly. um, but go ahead. Um, well, it just says being lonely has been linked to worse physical and emotional health outcomes and poorer well-being. Plus, a lack of social support can directly affect our potential for experiencing happiness. We're built to really seek social companionship and understanding, and here are the reasons why. Yeah, go for it, please. Yeah. So, number one, being around other people makes us healthier. Yeah. So, it says psychologically or physiologically, not having a social support system is actually a source of chronic stress for our bodies. Right. Which is... Kind of interesting. interesting yeah. It says when people feel lonely, they feel lonelier. They have a higher level of the stress hormone co- cortisol. Yeah, which can cause which all is your kinds stress. Of dis- that's issues. your stress yeah. Uh, chemical. Yeah. When so, you have high ke- uh, stress levels, it means you have high cortisol levels, and yeah. uh, that can uh, uh, affect your nervous system. That can affect your heart. That can also affect uh, your um, uh, basically uh, your when people get stressed out. They also start getting what's called, um, you know, like mentalities where they they feel like they have to hunker down and and, and nest, if you will, Mm -hmm. and they start gaining weight. Um, But you'll also just gain weight based on the fact that your body is stressed out and it's trying to fight that. And by doing so, you actually pack on more weight. So if you want to be nice and thin and fit, uh, don't stress out, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah, it says that type of chronic mm. stress raises the risk of cardiovascular disease and other challenges to health and wellness. Right. Conversely, relationships can encourage behaviors that are good for us, too, like eating right and exercising. Yeah, well, yeah. Just because helps have other people in your life to... Well, yeah, because we are, we are a naturally um, uh, compare and contrast type of... Uh, our brains are naturally wired to see patterns. I've talked about that before, but also to compare and contrast things. When, mm-hmm. Even if we're not judging, it doesn't necessarily mean we're judging or ridiculing others, although that can be the case. But oftentimes what it boils down to is social animals are naturally programmed to see how do we stack up against other human beings. And oftentimes if we're not satisfied with 
some aspect of our physicality or whatever quality internally that we have or don't have, we can also become very competitive. Uh, and, and that is uh, one of the downsides uh, that I read that really happens in a society is competition uh, creates uh, undue hardships. And we'll get into that later. Mm-hmm. But uh, but like everything, it's balance. It's all about balance. And it's, it's right. interesting, too, because it's they make a, a distinct thing of saying it's people that feel lonely. So there's a difference between being alone and being content with that and actually feeling lonely. Absolutely. And the loneliness puts your body into kind of a stress type of situation. Right. You're getting undue stress. And that kind of leads me to what prompted all this with my friend. And I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. So it says there's four reasons we seek companionship, right? So yeah. go ahead. Uh, number two, our brains seem to work better when we work together. Yeah. So there's a growing body of evidence that suggests our brains actually function better when we're interacting with others and experiencing togetherness. Research shows, for example, that listening and participating in a two-person conversation is actually less mentally taxing for the brain than giving or listening to a monologue, even though what we understand about how we process language would suggest otherwise. I I know that one because I do the show with you, mm-hmm. and I sometimes do the show by myself, and it's always more stressful and taxing on me to do it by myself than to do it with yeah. you. Not only because I think we there's a kind of a safety in numbers kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But also we drop our guards more when we're around people that we care about. And I think we just have more fun as social creatures. We love interacting with each other because it's fun, frankly. Yeah. Um, Even as an introvert, we're both self-titled introverts. I'm more of an ambivert because I, I I have very extroverted uh, roots. I started off a comedian. I was very outgoing um, as life became more taxing and as people became more horrible, I sort of started withdrawing within. Um, but now I'm at a point where I've sort of found myself in the sense that I'm a little bit of an ambivert. Sometimes I'm extroverted and sometimes I'm introverted, but um, I try to strike a balance because, you know, I don't know. I just feel like um, it's kind of like that whole uh, reflection expression thing uh, that, Human beings are always in a constant state of reflection or expression, meaning they're either introvertizing or they're expressing something outwardly. And um, when we don't do enough of both, we sort of get off balance. So what it boils down to is we should, you know, divide our attention between um, talking and uh, sharing and expressing ourselves and learning and taking in new information. So in other words, you know, don't just be a talker. Don't own the conversation. Let others get in on the conversation, too. And when you become uh, equally adept at uh, taking in new information and expressing yourself, that is the highest form of uh, learning and growing, frankly. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know? Yeah, and I'm an extreme introvert, <clears throat> yes. as, as you know. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> but it's interesting when you talk, when even like these studies and things talk about being a social creature, like you... It, kind of just brings to mind like being out in in the mix with people yeah but it doesn't necessarily mean that like even one other person or two other people right yeah so for a point of clarification it doesn't necessarily mean that you're a complete hermit or you know it, it just means that having a partner or a friend anyone in your life can uh, have benefits uh not only to your health but also to your um, your mental health and your uh, emotional state yeah, right exactly yeah 
Go ahead. Is there more? Okay. Yeah, there's two more. Yeah. Um, the third one is psychologically, we prefer to go through life not alone. Yeah. So psychology says that part of human nature's default mode is to be social. One theory, people have an innate and very powerful need to belong. Absolutely. So I'm always talking about how we all are seeking validation and how sometimes we have um, ways when we're having a bad day or we're having anxiety or we're having uh, some emotional state. Uh, we're always I see so many people nowadays. I saw this girl uh, the other day on social media. She was at the hospital and uh, she was there because of a panic attack. She had she has anxiety disorder. And she was in the <clears throat> comment, you know, she was talking about how she's worthless and she's useless and she was apologizing for her existence and all this stuff. And um, I understand that a little bit because we all have a little bit of that self-loathing. I think it's healthy to, to in small doses, um, assess your actual worth because it can take you down a peg and then maybe you won't be, you know, especially if people kind of lean a little arrogant or lean a little self-important, uh, taking, being taken down a peg can be a good thing because it's humbling and it teaches you that you're not, we're not all, all so different after all that sense of equality, uh, can really humble you. And, um, you know, I've talked about intelligence, you know, I don't get a big head about having a little bit of intelligence. It doesn't mean anything. It's not giving me more money. It's not making me more happy. At the end of the day, I mean, yeah, we're all seeking uh, validation and acceptance. That's what we really want. Yeah, definitely. You know? Yeah. And it um, it goes on to goes on to say that another way to think about it is the social baseline theory, which suggests the human brain expects access to social relationships. That's because those connections help lower potential risks one might face. Think safety in numbers. Yeah. And lessen the amount of effort needed when it comes to a variety of uh, scenarios. If the objective is, is to build a shelter, there's literally less work for each individual if two people do it. Yeah, yeah. So it's it it's like it's it helps you because other people are helping you. Right. You don't have to do right. everything alone. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's literally. a shared load. It's a shared burden. Absolutely. Whether that be. Yeah. A, a job or a task or just simply that safety in numbers where mm -hmm. you can protect your tribe or your yeah. community because you have other people sharing that burden. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then it goes on to say that um, <clears throat> experiments have shown that simply holding someone else's hand lessens an individual's emotional response in the brain to a perceived threat. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Yeah. And that kind comfort. of is why when you go to the movies, when you're young and you're with your boyfriend or girlfriend and a scary thing happens on the movie, you ask, you grab their leg or you grab their hand, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, that's natural in us. Mm -hmm. We all have that hungering and that yearning uh, for touch and for uh, really to feel um, coddled and comforted by each other. I think that's very important. Without yeah. that, we've, we now have evidence to suggest that babies who are neglected uh, emotionally oftentimes develop problems down the road with either cognition or emotional uh, uh, problems. Or even they've done studies to literally babies that aren't touched. Yeah. They right. develop so many issues. Cognitive Just, issues, mm -hmm. uh, social issues, yeah. uh, learning disorders, etc. And, uh, and, and a lot of where they can turn into sociopaths, not by nature, but not by nurture, but by through nature, but, or not by nature, but through by nurture. nurture. Yeah. yeah. Or because, lack of. <laughs> or, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. They, they, they haven't, 
Yeah, because I mean, socialization is a practiced skill. Without practice, you don't get better at it, you know. So uh, if you were just not uh, used to making friends and talking with people, or if you were so crazy shy that you just never built a, a baseline of validation for yourself and and your personality, you're you're, you're also going to have an identity problem. You're not going to mm-hmm. understand or accept who you are. And so uh, getting back to that girl uh, in the hospitals, you know, she's she's tearing herself to pieces. And it's like, why would anybody feel like that? Now, I, you know, I, I've gone through some pity parties in my life. I've, I've been self-debasing uh, as a source of humor sometimes. But do I really believe that I'm not as valuable as others and that I'm a great burden on others? No. And that's the problem with a lot of depression these days is that it makes people think that they're invalid or that they're not as good as others. When really what it boils down to is you are not your job. You are not, your identity is not based off of, uh, you know, your social ranking or your social status. It's based on your, your content of character. And I think a lot of people with mental health problems, they just get so, um, they just turn completely against themselves. Their own brain starts attacking itself like it's a virus. And uh, we have to really undo those 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 um, bad social, uh, it, because it's a learned behavior. We have to unlearn those behaviors and start realizing that we're valid, we're good enough. And that's what this show's all about, is trying to get mm-hmm. people to understand that um, just because you're, uh, you know, don't have a, a high paying job or just because you don't have a million friends or just because you're not like, you know, a 10 attractive, you know, doesn't mean that you don't have validation. It took me a long time to realize that, you know what, Brian, there's going to be guys out there with bigger dicks. There's going to be guys out there with bigger muscles. There's going to be guys out there with better jobs. And yes, it can be frustrating sometimes because people love competing with each other. But at the end of the day, if you don't compete with those people, those people are douchebags. <laughs> you compete with yourself and yourself only to so that you achieve more and better out of yourself and what your standard is, what your metric is for success, not what society's metric for success is. Because at the end of the day, that's really what perpetuates a lot of these really bad uh, social um, uh, conformities is that, you know, you, all the glamour magazines all the skinny bitches, all the fucking perfect people and all the wealthy people. They're the ones that set the standard for perfection. While we all try to attain that standard, it's that keeping up with the Joneses. And at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. you're going to hustle bustle yourself into absolute exhaustion. You know, it'd be like uh, me late weight training and thinking I'm going to somehow be, you know, uh, Mr. Uh, You know, uh, world record uh, weightlifter it's like don't compare yourself to those fools most bodybuilders do it either because they love it or they do it because there's something they're probably masking something that they're highly insecure about so they have a very competitive nature by nature and a lot of competition being competitive sometimes that's a sense of drive and determination but sometimes that's a sense of insecurity a lot of people are just trying to make up for something they think they're lacking And that's kind of where being a social creature comes into play. I mean, even if someone's very depressed or feeling really bad about themselves, even having one person that can see you for who you are and appreciate who you really are, who you are and tell you that just that can make a world of difference. Absolutely. You know, because what prompted all this was the other day 
Um, I have a friend who, uh, he's in his 60s. And uh, if you're listening, uh, well, I don't want to say his name. But if you're listening, uh, you'll know that I'm talking about you. But I, I, I really genuinely like this person. He's a really nice guy. Um, but at the end of the day, he, he, you know, his best friend passed away, which is awful. And, um, and, and in his search, because he lives by himself, in his search for socialization, um, he was trying to befriend me. But here I am, not only a married man, but also someone who's got a lot going on with business and uh, I, I couldn't be there on a level that he wanted me to be there. And so I, I felt like there was some animosity building there because I couldn't be the thing that he needed. And I felt really bad about that because he's a good guy and I really do care about him. And I, I really do care about our friendship. But um, but then he met this new friend and uh, now he's spending all of his time with this friend. He's going out to Bend, Oregon uh, to go to this guy's house who he used to know from back in the past and now they've reacquainted and they're really good uh bosom buddies and i'm glad for that like there's no jealousy in me um but uh but i did start to notice that um once he made friends with this guy i was like chopped liver and it made me feel like he wasn't searching for friendship he was searching to a replacement and it felt very transactional to me does that make sense yeah you know, he wasn't looking necessarily for you. He was looking for someone to fill a slot. Yeah. And that made it feel very transactional. And so it just made me feel all the more kind of put off, even though I care very deeply about the person. I think he's a really good guy. Um, But at the end of the day, um, we're very different people. We've had very different lives, but we have a lot in common too. We were both in the army and we're both tech savvy and we both share the same politics. So we have, things in common but then there's a lot of things we don't have in common but what it boils down to is i'm just a very busy person right now and i don't have a lot of time to dedicate to um tertiary friends and i feel bad about that because at the end of the day uh i want him to be happy and i want to be his friend but i'm just i'm not a social butterfly especially during covid i just got used to being at home all the time and so he's always calling and then so once he kind of found this new friend it almost felt like he didn't need me anymore and i started to get a little annoyed with him frustrated really um but then i i texted him yesterday to say hey you know i still care about you but it's starting to make me feel like um now that you've had your friendship uh, slot filled uh you know hit the bricks brian you know and -hmm. it was making me feel sort of like yesterday's trash like he was sending me out to the pasture you know um and uh, there's no animosity in my heart i still like the guy and i let him know that i still cared about him and and uh you know his reason for saying you know because another thing that really annoyed me about it was the fact that he um he never asked about my business this is my everything and when people don't ask you about your business it makes you feel like they're only in it for them and so there's a lack of reciprocity there. And I was just starting to feel like, geez, you know, like once he filled that life slot, it was like a job position. Like once you fill the position, yeah. oh, we don't need any more applicants. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. Fuck off. Bye. And it just sort of put me off a little bit. Um, you know, I'm secure enough of a person to to not feel angry or frustration about that. I, I'm I'm. 
I still care about him. I still talk to him. We still talk. I told him I'm going to call him once we're I'm done with all my business. But um, but frankly, it just felt very transactional, and I was like. Like, like he was just interviewing for a life mm-hmm. mate. And I was like, yeah. sorry, I couldn't fit the bill, but I got shit to do, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, but, but that's what got me on this whole uh, understanding of your identity. Who are you? Who do you want to be? I think we, we let society dictate who we are more than we um, empower ourselves to give ourselves uh, the credit that we deserve in order to empower ourselves. And that's what I mean about intelligence and ego is that we have to have the agency. We have to take agency over our life and feel good enough about ourselves to, to, to not be a jellyfish. You have to have a little bit of ego, uh, not, not so much ego that you're arrogant, but enough ego to not roll over like a jellyfish to have the tensile strength to stand up for yourself and know your worth. At the end of the day, you can't get anywhere in life without a little bit of that impetus to believe in yourself, you know. Definitely important. And we live in a society that when you're not rich or when you're not well-to-do or there's certain things, like if you live at home with your parents, oh, you're not allowed to be happy. You don't satisfy that minimum standard of worthiness or, oh, you're just a manual laborer. Oh, you just work for uh, this, this, or this. You just work retail. You're not allowed to be um, fascinating or interesting or creative or anything else. It's almost as like you people uh, identify you based on your job rather than uh, what's inside of you. They don't know what you're doing outside of work. Oh, yeah. That happens so hmm. much these days, especially. Yeah. yeah, and so I just wanted to put this show on. So we could kind of talk about interpersonal relationships versus how we feel about ourselves in a society. You know, society feels like it's constantly trying to make us feel less than because we're not beautiful or we're not wealthy or we don't have the right job or we don't have the right fitness level or we don't have this or this or this. It's just ongoing, you know, and every time you feel like you, you know, because that's what I used to do when I was younger. I would try to attain whatever I thought society wanted me to have. And then by the time, okay, I'm fit now. I'm buff. I'm good looking. I've got a decent job. Oh, and guess what? They still didn't like you. They found a new reason. Well, of course. They moved the goalpost. Yeah. It's never ending. Mm-hmm. They never actually cared about you in the beginning. It was all um, so that they could feel superior. That's what I learned about society. Oh, 100%. You know what I mean? Okay, there was one last one on your article. Go ahead. Yeah, so the fourth one is when we're around people who drive us crazy, we grow. Yeah. So basically, it just it kind of makes your brain work a little bit. It ex- it sh- ex- When you get fed up, you finally say, that's the last straw. I'm sticking up for myself. And it exposes you to different viewpoints. They might be weird. They might be crazy, but it makes your brain think a little bit. Makes you it realize that, you know what, I don't necessarily need socialization at the cost of being berated all the mm-hmm. time or something. Yeah, exactly. Or at the cost of losing, being gaslit into thinking there's a reality that doesn't exist. Yeah, and then it, it explains it as, as that's because having a diverse variety of emotional experiences, including feeling sad, angry, anxious, or irritated, expands our capacity to feel good, too. Yeah. So, it's yeah, it, yeah, it kind of offers mm-hmm. a contrast, and it makes you realize that you do have good things. Right. It, just, it makes your brain think in different ways and be like, oh, okay, well, I don't need this because I've got this and that's good enough. When you change perspective, it kind of helps you understand your place in society mm-hmm. 
or or your place amongst your peer group or something or can like make that. you appreciate what you do have even more yeah and, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Even, because when you're put through drama and stuff, I mean, that was what I was going to talk about next is, um, you know, my friend, the chiropractor, I've talked about it many times on the show. Now, there is when I when I talk about people, my friends, I'm only using them as examples. It's not to berate them. It's not to make put them, them on the spotlight. Right, or, right. And so if they yeah. were to hear it, it's like, no, no, you guys, this is not about airing out dirty laundry it's about creating um, a story that creates that cites an example so that you can learn from that story a moral or a fable if you will Mm -hmm. um but uh, he's a good guy you know but um he and i you know we both had our struggles with drugs and alcohol um i quit much earlier than him and i think that was because he was a chiropractor and um you know, I feel like it just took him longer to figure it out, you know. Um, but as you know, babe, um, he's he and I are trying to put the pieces back together. And and sometimes I, I've told you, you know, sometimes less is more when you've had a lifelong friend that um, you've had so many bridges burned. And so I oh, wanted yeah. to talk about that for a minute because I think we've all been in friendships that somebody has gaslit you or somebody has berated you or you've had a falling out because of their argumentative nature. Now, I am not trying to pick on my friend, the chiropractor. I'm simply trying to illustrate that there are going to be people in your life that are very different from you. And it, and it doesn't mean that you don't love them or care about them. But a lot of times there's a struggle to get along, you know, and with him, you know, it boils down to the fact that I feel like we've had so many falling outs, all caused by him. Sorry, it's just the truth that I'm at a point now where um, I don't want to say I don't respect him anymore. The respect has slowly been earned back over a couple of years. We had a falling out for two years, and now we've been back together for about a year now, talking off and on now and then. And we, he's slowly earning my trust back. He's slowly earning my respect back. So it's there. The love and respect is there. It's always been there. It's just that you get hurt too much. Oh, yeah. You, you guard yourself. Yeah, and you end up guarding yourself. And then you feel like every time you get too comfortable with a person like that, because he's a he's a chiropractor. He's, very, he's a Leo. He's very much into uh, status. He's very much into careerism. He's very much into uh, wealth and income earning and that potential, and now he's getting into the stock market, and uh, that is just so not me, and I'm not trying to judge to each no, their own, of course. Yeah. But but at the end of the day, what it boils down to is I don't feel um, a sense of want or, or urge to talk to him like I used to because the, 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 the us that used to be fun, it, that is no longer us anymore. We're not those people anymore. We don't party anymore. We're not crazy youngsters living this crazy life. We're just older folks now that are both married. Um, but that doesn't mean that I don't still want to catch up with him. It's just sometimes I'm afraid that if I talk to him too much, that familiarity again is going to breed contempt and he's going to go turn back into the way he always gets, which is, you know, our he likes to parcel out our differences and then he gets upset over our differences as if to say, well, you you don't seek fame and fortune like me. Therefore, you're a piece of shit. It's like, He's always been so driven by careerism and by status, and I haven't. I just don't care about that stuff. That doesn't mean I don't want to succeed, though. That doesn't mean I don't have drive. 
but he thinks that drive is akin to godliness and it's like but you're but he went for years without drive and now he finally has drive and balance in his life and i'm glad for that but but he thinks that if you're if you don't care like he had so many struggles as being a chiropractor where he couldn't get the he couldn't get the right job he couldn't make the right kind of money he moved up to washington had a very abusive relationship with his boss and then he finally got to a point where he started his own practice and now he's happy he's getting there you know and so i'm happy for him in that regard but um but i've been a, i was a chef and i tried you know to explain to him that once you've been a chef for eight or nine years, you get to a point where you either shit or get off the pot. You get tired of low pay. You get tired of being a line cook. You get tired of the drama. And so you want to go do your own creative thing. You're ascending to that next level. And if you don't have somewhere to go to ascend to, you either get get out of it. You either get out of it or you accept mediocrity and that's where i got out of it because i was like if i can't be a chef for myself after all this experience after culinary school and all this stuff that i've been, been subjected myself through then i was going to um shit or get off the pot i got i i got off the pot <laughs> <laughs> and um and the thing is is that being a chef never pays what being a chiropractor can pay you can make pretty good money just by billing insurance whereas a chef even if you're a really good chef, you're only making 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 dollars an hour, especially in those days. And so I just it was and it was constantly dealing with shitty drama people, alcoholics, losers, scumbags, all the drama in the restaurant scene. And that's not to say that I didn't meet some good ones, too. But my point simply is, is that um, he and I have had a falling out so many times because I couldn't be what he wanted me to be. And it's like, because what you want isn't rea realistic. We grow, yeah. we change. Well, exactly. And I've always had different values than him. And so it's like, I try to get him to understand that I'm driven, but without a vehicle, you have nowhere to drive. You know, like I've, I've said on the show, you can be a go-getter, but if there's nothing to get but low-hanging fruit, then all you're going to do is pick up more rotten fruit. You're not going to get something that feels personal and meaningful or successful to you. Yeah. You know, for sure. And so we're finally at a point where we're getting all these things. We're accepting our differences and that's good. But, um, but God, it's, it's just, I'm hard pressed to call him because I'm just afraid he's going to turn on me again. Well, yeah. I'm afraid and you get that, you know, that, uh, uh, that we're a dog, you know, has been hit so many times that they flinch every time somebody raises their hand that's where I'm at with him, where, you know, I would say that I'm probably more alpha than he is physically, but he's now in this power career, and I just don't feel a great sense of connection to him, and I'm always afraid he's going to start judging me again. Yeah, well, unlike the interactions yesterday, I mean, you texted him about what's been going on with us, and then the response was just, yeah, didn't respond to what you were talking about at all yeah well let's i'll, I'll fill the folks in on yeah. what it was um we got our um booster shots for for covid <clears throat> and um rebecca started having uh dizziness dizzy spells for days and uh, i was having headaches especially at night every night i'd have this pounding headache and i think that covid booster i've never ha experienced that with a vaccination before yeah. but we started to realize well we you know <clears throat> this must be a really hardy strain and it's 
probably just taken our bodies a little bit of time to adjust to this really powerful strain of your body trying to build antibodies. But yeah, so I told him that we've been sick for a week and he didn't even respond to it. And mm-hmm. he's a healthcare provider. Yeah, right. And yeah. so sometimes I don't mean to pick on it, but it's it feels very sociopathic. It feels very unemotional, emotionally detached to not ask, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Exactly. It was kind of like, okay, well, mm-hmm. I got this infra- information. Let's bring it around back to me. Yeah. And that's just it with both of my friends here. You know, I have a lot of friends that I love and respect and value, but that's what I wanted to talk about next is, mm-hmm. is in that relationship, there's always a power struggle. So let's talk about that. So as most of you guys know, um, there's always going to be a power struggle with your boss, with authority figures, with your station in life. Everyone's going to compete and challenge each other because that's, that is really the downside of being a social creature, I think, is that when there's too many people around, that's kind of where we're at now. We're at the you know height of our um, decadence. We're at the height of our modern-day technologies. We're at the height of progress, and, and uh, our population numbers are the high, highest they've ever been. And so even when we're alone at home sometimes, we're never truly alone because there's people everywhere and so what happens is is there's an alpha beta struggle and i think relationships go through that acquaintanceships go through that and bosses and employees go through that and so i wanted to talk about that a little bit the power struggle uh between uh people because now we're at a point where we're each other's competition you want to just kind of speak on that a little bit well yeah i mean it People are competing for jobs. They're competing for, I don't know attention. what else. Attention. attention. Competing yeah. for the boss's approval. Mm-hmm. Competing for uh, higher paying positions. Competing for, I see it as a content creator. Everyone vying for attention oh, yeah, now. Especially with that. Social yeah. media. Everyone's mm-hmm. just trying to vie for attention. Attention whores. Yeah. There's too many attention seekers out there. You want to speak on that a little? Well, yeah, social media has definitely brought that out. I mean, it's... It feels it's, so superficial yeah, sometimes, and It's you know? good because it does allow people to maybe get out in the public or in the public eye that wouldn't, that, yeah, you know, that no, deserve I, attention on their artwork or their... Well, and what it does is it allows content creators and creative types to, to, to have intellectual or creative property that they can share with the world. And I mm-hmm. think that's a wonderful that's thing. Great. But then when it's just like a bunch of women in their panties taking pictures yeah. of themselves in their apartment. It's like, I think they're trying to become models maybe, but they're going about it in a very unusual way. They're vying for, you know, validation physically and not necessarily through any particular skill or quality. Yeah. So it's definitely a double-edged sword. Yeah. I think ultimately I, I like that it's there yeah. because it does allow people that normally don't go out into the spotlight or try to well, yeah. get the attention to get some sort of attention. It means that it, it gives an introvert equal opportunity to find yeah. um, validation, but not more than that possible uh, commercial success. You know, mm-hmm. say you're, you know, you, you, you draw, you know, you do Bigfoot drawings or say you, you're an artist or a poet or say you're like yeah. me, you're a content That's, creator mm-hmm. or a voice artist uh, it gives you an, an opportunity to do something that you might not before. I mean, that's why I started this 
uh, I couldn't get the job or the or the validation that I deserved in radio. So I said, fuck you, motherfuckers, you insecure bastards. I'm going to go out and do this myself. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and I'm happy that I did because we now have the technologies where anybody can really, with the right impetus and belief in themselves to, to go for it, anybody now can put themselves in that arena. But it does raise the whole question of competition. You want to speak about yeah. uh, healthy versus unhealthy competition? Yeah, well, and that does make it harder for people that don't want the limelight but want to get their artwork out there or whatever then they it kind of makes you have to kind of turn on this competitive edge whether you want to or not yeah and it's i think it can be healthy when you're doing it for a a good reason yeah but it can be unhealthy when it's just becomes compulsive yeah where you're checking your phone every three months for likes or something you're looking for that dopamine rush exactly it becomes an addictive uh, personality trait yeah yeah absolutely can so on that article you did i just wanted to summarize those four traits just list them off again so that people can understand it and just title it yeah um it's just why we need other people to be happy um being around other people makes us healthier Mm-hmm. physically yeah um our brains seem to work better when we work together yeah psychologically we prefer to go through life not alone right and when we're around people who drive us crazy we grow <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well and that was the problem with my friendship with uh the chiropractor i don't want to say his name and i'm not like i said i'm not trying to speak ill about any of my friends this whole show is about how to process our lives and, and sometimes it's necessary to set boundaries, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's necessary to literally close up shop. When is yeah. it time to end a friendship? And I want to go into that next. I want to talk about when is it time to either set boundaries or to simply close up shop. Yeah. And one thing I did want to mention just at the very end of the article, they say, and remember, it's okay to have some you time when we need it. We all need time to ourselves. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's nothing unhealthy about wanting to uh, just center. Mm -hmm. I've told you guys before that I try to live a quiet, simple life. Now, do I get lonely from time to time? You know, Rebecca's at work and I'm here all the time doing work by myself. It can feel like I'm alone a lot, especially in the winter in Oregon. It's gray. Uh, no, there's no activity. The birds aren't even out. No, there's no, not even birds chirping. The sun's not even out. It's almost like you're living in a ghost town, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but that's when I just call a friend like, eh, I'll call, reach out, yeah, you know? Exactly. And, th- and then, um, but the thing is, is that um, we all need that time to ourselves. I mean, uh, in my previous relationship, you know, Jenny, which she was, she would say, uh, I need a few days to center. I've been at your house for a week. I'm like, Hey, fine i never Mm -hmm. i was always the type to say yes i get it because i need that too as an only child i always needed time to myself to to just sort of chill by myself and recenter and fortunately you and i we know how to do that together now where we just we're in the same room but we're really miles apart Mm -hmm. in terms of you know we're just kind of you know chilling and relaxing by ourselves, centering (laughs) by ourselves together exactly yeah um, but, uh, you know, the thing with the first friend I was telling you about, um, the one, you know, where he, you know, was looking, his best friend died. He's looking for a new partner 
And uh, I just felt like I was sort of being used in a way, like I was just filling a slot, filling a position rather than uh, somebody liking me for my traits and qualities. You know, I know he likes me, but but it did start to feel a little transactional and it just kind of cheapened it a little bit. And because I can't be there in the way that he wanted, I felt like I was summarily dismissed. And so I kind of got annoyed with him and I texted him and I was very mature about it. And I said, said, I'm not saying this to, to upset anyone. This is not, I'm not judging. I'm not criticizing. This is simply how I'm seeing it from my point of view. <clears throat> and, you know, he kind of said, well, you know, I just kind of give you your space because you're restructuring and all this. And I just thought his excuse was kind of cheap and <laughs> not really a good excuse. Like, because I'm adding new topics to my show, you never ask about the show. Like, mm-hmm. all I want from my friends is occasionally to say, hey, how's it going with the show? Or what's going on with it? Or how's it growing? Or what's up? How's it going? How, how hard is that? And the problem I have with a lot of my friendships right now all of them, in fact, is that nobody ever asked me about my business. And so when I'm like on social media, everybody knows I run a podcast. Everybody knows it's important to me. And nobody ever fucking asked me about it. It's like, Jesus Christ, I know everybody's got their own set of problems now. But we're at a point in our society where I really do feel people have become very self-centric, very self-centered. And I'm not saying that to to hurt or, or be mean or cruel to anybody. It's just one of those harsh truths that human beings have really not emotionally grown to be selfless, to understand how to share their lives with others. Do you want to speak on that? Um, It's true. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, and it hurts your feelings sometimes. It does. Yeah. And And it makes you want to, it it makes you want to be by yourself all the more. Yeah. And that's not always healthy, but it can be depending on how you do it. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if people are more self-centered than they used to be, or it's really hard to hard to say if it's like a new phenomenon or because it does yeah. seem like. Well, I do feel that social media has turned and trivialized our lives. Yeah. You know, pictures of ourselves, selfies, how we look is all about how to impress people on on online, on social media. I don't think everybody's doing it necessarily for that reason. But it does create this little bit of inherent competition. It does. And yeah, social media and having camera phones and, you know, instant gratification with photos and things. It does make it a little a little easier to be that way because yeah. it's it's like instant. Okay, now I see how I look here. I can change it. I well, can do this. And you'd have to wait like two weeks before for to get a picture yeah. back. And Well, and as much as I, you know, I don't want women to die on the vine. If they have an emotional need to reach out and validate their looks, fine. But the problem is, is that it goes too far with anybody on, online. I feel like social media has created this monster where we're all vying for attention. We're all vying for approval. We're all vying, in essence, to be superior to one another whether it be physically or intellectually or through our creative talents, at the end of the day, it's like, Jesus Christ, you know, it it makes me want to tune out. It's not because I don't like people. I like people at their most real, at their most genuine, at their most pure. But I'm not seeing that a lot. There's people and their their arrogance and egos are out of control. And I, it's just hard to find any genuineness in a society that's really reducing human interaction into uh, sort of this competitive thing, you know? 
Yeah, and a lot of people, I think, are afraid to show their real selves because of insecurities. Yeah. So it is. it can be hard to find the real person in there yeah. and know who they actually are. Well, kind of like the way Jeffrey Dahmer sort of, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> it's kind of a silly analogy, but, but uh, he went from a halfway decent, normal, curious kid to a guy who was full-time... Um, killing people, sometimes showering with two dead bodies in his tub. I mean, holy crap. I mean, yes, disgusting. I'm, but my point simply <laughs> is, is that he, he had potential to make friends. He had potential to live a normal life. He allowed his psychosexual compulsions to get the better of him. And I think that's what people do nowadays with their egos. As they, uh, my point was, is that they let their egos spin out of control until it eats them alive. And it, and then they end up, you know, in a situation where it's untenable. It's no longer making them happy. You know, when you're only searching for superficial validation and you get it, it's like a drug. You need more of it to survive mm-hmm. now. And so now... It's not enough that you get 300 likes on a post. Now you have to get 3,000 likes or something. In other words, people grow uh, addicted to that desire to be a celebrity or that desire to be a public figure. And that's one thing that I made sure I didn't want to do is when I became a public figure is I'm not doing it for the – I wouldn't know how to handle fame, quite honestly, because I – can't stand being around people. No offense. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not because I don't like people. You know, you know what I mean? It's be- yeah. it's kind of like on Bob's Burgers where he's like, oh, thank God, I don't want to be around people, Bob said. And he's like, not because I don't like people, but because mm-hmm. uh, he's, you know, we're, we need our own space. Yeah. And it's it's more like you don't want to be around society. Yeah. Rather Societal than individual people. people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you don't always know which one of these people are plugged into that society machine and which ones aren't. And, uh, you know, I love a unique individual, someone who isn't plugged into all that. Now, because we are all social animals, I think it's normal to share the movies we watch with each other, do reviews of those things, talk about what's going on in politics or the news. I mean, that part is fine. But where would where would you say we... Uh, should draw the line because it does start to feel like people nowadays are so plugged in that they don't know how to unplug and they don't know how to get any validation from themselves. They have to get it through external sources. Yeah. I I think a lot of people just need to kind of slow down and reflect a little bit. I mean, some people just feel the need to just be going all the time and well, doing things all the time. And you know where I'm going, I know with where this. you're going with this. Yeah. We have a couple <laughs> of friends online, <clears throat> Facebook friends, and we adore them. They're good people. I'm not speaking ill of them, but they live down in California. And I mean, they don't, it's not enough that they go to dinner a couple times. It's not enough that they go to two or three concerts in the summer. They have been going nonstop for three months, concerts and shows and dinners. It's feeling like hedonism. (laughs) And I just said, good grief. Why don't you go home and read a book and reflect for a change? And that's what I mean about that reflection and expression. They're in constant expression mode without any reflection. And that can't be healthy, right? I I wouldn't think so. And they're nice people. Don't get me wrong. Some people are absolute extroverts. 
and yeah. ex- true extroverts get their energy and their from each other. From each other. Yeah. Like, like and their I, identity. Yeah. And they recharge mm-hmm. that way. And yeah. that's their way of recharging. My way, I need to be by myself where it's quiet. And that's where I recharge because yeah. I'm an introvert. But extroverts, well, that's that's how they I I, I, have, I have extroverted um you know, traits as well. Yeah. But I don't see this. Des- How can anything feel special if you're always doing it? Yeah. That you know? is one thing. Yeah. We definitely. went to two shows this year. They feel special to me now. Mm-hmm. If we had gone to 50 shows, it wouldn't feel yeah. special anymore. Yeah. I was like working at the radio side. station where I saw every concert and it got to the point where uh, going to a show became my, uh, you know, pain in the ass job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know being a chef i was constantly eating gourmet food to the point where i didn't even appreciate it anymore mm-hmm. like eh, you're just shoving in risotto because you got to get back to work right you can't yeah. stop to appreciate the quality and the detail that goes into that and mm-hmm. so i just feel like maybe there's a little bit of hedonism there what do you think I think so. And, you know, if that and works not, for... I'm not judging yeah, them. If that I'm works for you, fine. But, yeah. yeah, at least for, like you said, for us, it wouldn't be a special. It takes away the specialness of it. And yeah. some people, I mean, people operate differently, obviously. Yeah. And well, I, it just, I, I think that since we moved to Oregon from California, I, you know, I noticed that there's a lot of extroverts down there because the sunshine has a tendency to do that. It brings out the, the extrovert in you. And, it, it does it with me too. And I'm very thankful right now here in Oregon, we're getting a little bit of a fall with sunshine. Thank the gods for that, you know? Yeah. Um, but that being said, I'm perfectly fine with being by myself. And I, I don't know whether that's because I've been burned too many times. Is there something wrong where I just don't feel the need because it seems like every time I reach out, we're always talking about what they want to talk about. Never what I want to talk about. And I got shit to say. (laughs) Maybe that's why I have a podcast now, because I have shit to say. And I I feel like nobody takes the time anymore to listen to one another. Definitely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. I'm feeling a lacking of emotional growth with my friendships because they never let me be me or let me control the the conversation. It's always shit they want to say. Yeah. And I don't know. It feels like there has to be a give and take. Oh, there definitely does. Yeah. That's, that's what friendship is. It's it's give and take and yeah. not all one-sided, or it shouldn't be. Right. Well, and I'm not saying all that to, to crap talk my friends. It's just that, you know, when I think about it, that's why my friendships started losing their utility, because that's always everything they want to do. You know, it's like, uh, you know, Jim Carrey and uh, uh, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, When Nature Calls. Let's do all the things you want to (laughs) do. You know, it feels like when we're always having to relent and bend to other people's needs, um, our needs sort of take the back burner. And I was starting to feel a little like, you know, because, you know, in real life, I'm a quiet, introverted, you know, I wouldn't say I'm you know, shy or timid or anything like that, but I'm, I'm a stable minded person. I don't feel the need to be out there and excitable all the time. And I think people take that as a sign of, you know, quiet people are stupid or quiet people don't have nothing going on, but uh, au contraire, mon frere, I have a ton of shit going on, but you'll never shut up long enough for me to say it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Oh, 
Anyway. Well, speak on the power struggle of alpha, beta, when your friends, your friendships, are always looking to domineer or dominate the conversation, or they're always looking to, to be superior. Even it, it, we call it low-key bragging. Sometimes mm. you'll just throw some low-key shade on their friends to try to put themselves up uh, up a peg from you. Speak on yeah. that. Well, that it definitely <clears throat> happens. I don't really have many, if any, friends like that. I can't even think of anyone. Yeah, well, that's because good. Probably because I just yeah pull back from people like that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it definitely happens a lot because, you know, overt bragging is kind of looked down upon, so you kind of throw little digs in there like right. somebody says something about what they've done and then they'll kind of throw in well i've done this better yeah. or well you know because i'm a pretty worldly guy i mean i was in the army i've seen much of the world i've had a many uh, adventurous uh, moments in my life i've met a lot of people i've done a lot of things i've seen a lot of the country i've had a lot of different types of jobs and I, that's not bragging that's just life experience but then as you get older, you start pulling back from all that because you start realizing that people are just competing with having a better story than everybody else. And you get to a point where like, oh, whoopty fucking do guy. Can, can, can I have a story for once? Can I speak? Mm-hmm. That'd be nice. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> but, um, but I got to the point where I did start pulling back because once I got married and I started getting older, I want to speak on that a little bit. What's the difference between friendships and the power struggle or just friendships in general uh, when you're young versus as you get older? Speak on that a little bit. Oh, yeah. Well, I know, at least for me, even though I have always been an introvert, um, when you're younger, you just you want to experience things, I think, more. You, yeah. you want to keep you want to go out. You want to do things. You want to do this. You want to do that. And. So you're constantly pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. Like, oh, we got to go to the movies. Oh, we got to go to this football game. Oh, we got to go to this dance. Oh, we've got to do this. We've got to do that. And as I've gotten older, even then, I always appreciated my alone time and Mm -hmm. being quiet, but definitely more now. Yeah. There's just, you don't feel this compulsion to always be out in the middle of the limelight. Right. Exactly. Well, for me, you know, I just got to the point where all my friends were growing busy growing kind of the point where you feel you can tell when people don't care anymore you know it's like i have friends that have literally because of our political differences cast me aside and i mean they're literally throwing you in the garbage they don't want to ever talk to you ever again simply because they've made it up in their mind that you no longer have value to their life no utility to their life and I'm like, well, fuck you too, buddy. You know, it hurts at first, but speak on that because I think a lot of yeah. people have falling outs nowadays. And what it boils down to is that at a certain point in your life, you have to reclaim your empowerment. You have to reclaim a sense of uh, personal identity and personal peace of mind because when you're out there constantly, um, you're just getting r- ran over and railroaded. So um, get, as you get older, talk on that, how we're, now at a point where we're just looking for peace of mind. Oh, yeah. Well, as you get older, friendships change because your life situation changed. Yeah, you find a partner, you have a family, you mm-hmm. have jobs. And some friendships can survive that because some people allow friends to grow and change and become different people. Not different people, but yeah, you morph into something and you different. Yeah. into a little bit of something different. Who you are and, at 27 is different from who you are at yeah. 47. And good friends... <clears throat> 
understand, we'll understand that, that. that growth and absolutely change. and well, accept yeah. that and encourage that and right and share that with them that is a very good mature point at the end of the day um friendships rely on each other accepting each other's growth and changes even if they're for the worse i mean unless mm-hmm. they're becoming a sociopathic predator or becoming a narcissist or becoming an asshole at the end of the day we have to accept those little changes <clears throat> you know some of our friends when in high school we were skinny and now we're chubby or whatever <laughs> you know accept it. it it's life you know yeah, yeah we have to really learn to accept each other's differences i think that's a very yeah. good point and well and it just brings to mind um because it was a year ago a couple of days ago that we met up with one of my friends from kindergarten when we were down in california mm-hmm. yeah. and we great, great we, girl yeah and mm-hmm. we rarely mm-hmm. talk you know we make comments once in a while on instagram or facebook with each other but at the heart of it we're still really good friends because we hung out and we hung out for hours yeah, because we had a great time. To, yeah, it was it was great, and, and it was a year to the day yesterday. By the way, yeah, it was yesterday. We were um, hanging out with the chickens <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> in Old Royal Town Grundy. Royal Grande. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <clears throat> but those are the kind of friendships that are real. Like some people yeah. feel like, oh, it's not a real friendship if you don't talk every every week or hang out every week yeah. or whatever. But I, the way I see it, if it's someone that you've known forever and you can just kind of pick up where you left off, whenever it is that you see them, yes, that's a true, Having true the mat- friendship. Right, me. right. Having the maturity to understand that, you know, there's no, um, there's no shame. There's no, you know, some friends will guilt trip you if they don't, if you don't call them enough. Exactly. That's like exactly that, what I was that was how say. Corey was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, why didn't you call? Well, why the fuck didn't you call? Was your finger broke? Right. You know, like Jesus like Christ. You're being, you're you being tested and you don't even know you're being tested. Right. Yeah. Or people who are always holding you up to an unrealistic standard, like my friend Jim, the chiropractor. You know, no offense to him, but he was always trying to hold me up to the same wealth career status as himself. And frankly, yeah. I don't think he's it's always like a projected image. Like he's still trying to find himself. And I'm I'm at a point where I sobered up, got real with myself and I wanted to challenge my life in new ways. In other words, I, I became a chef. I, I went to culinary school. I became a chef. I did it for years. I succeeded. I went up the chain of command. I got a sous chef position. I got an executive chef position. And now I'm hitting these glass ceilings. And now I pull back. And then he's he's like, well, you're just a nobody because none of your jobs lasted. Well, my jobs mm-hmm. didn't last because I was constantly looking for success. And I was looking to go places that could continually challenge me and cha- and allow me to become and grow more successful. But if there's nowhere to go, nowhere to grow, you sort of pull back and then you have to find new ways to challenge yourself. And that's where I'm at now, where it's like I'm still very driven, but I'm just not driven to be a chef anymore. Because, frankly, I know that road. I know that path. And I'm... I fear that a lot of young culinarians these days are going to go through the same thing I went through, which is that heartache and disappointment of putting everything and all your money and all your time into this craft to become really good at something only to find out that it gets cheapened going out there being a line cook. Yeah, 100%. And then then you run into situations where it becomes untenable. It's too much drama, too much bullshit, and you pull back. As far as... friendship goes i mean some people just can't they have an idea of you of how you used to be or how right. you were 
And right. they hold on to that rather than letting mm-hmm. it expand and letting you become who you are. Yeah. And well, because and it, it's comfortable, I think. So yeah. it's like, this is, this is you. I know I you. I miss our old You're, banter the way things used to be. Yeah. You've changed. Instead of allowing it to grow. And, well, that's, and I change. think that's what Jim was upset at me at initially is that he was mad at me because I wasn't acting the way he wanted me to act because the banter was getting dry. He, we weren't having the back and forth fun that we used to have. And then he was holding it against me, but he didn't realize at that time when we had our falling out, I was going through a real identity crisis. I was going through a real depression. And instead of being there for me, he was using it as a way to assault my senses to, to say, well, you've always been this, this and this, and therefore blah, blah, blah. It's like, if, if that's how you, if that's so how lowly you think of me, then bye. I don't want you anyways. Thankfully, there's that little part of us to still hold on. But um, like I said, I, I'm at a point where <clears throat> most, most of my friendships have turned into a situation uh, where I feel like, you know, the only person I have left is Craig, where we have the normal back and forth banter. Everybody mm-hmm. else, it, it's just sort of become, it's not that they we haven't accepted our each other's differences, it's that they're still clinging to who you used to be versus who you are now. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? And that's, it just doesn't work if you're a person that Well, I'm still that, that person. I'm just well, more yeah, mature still, now. <laughs> yeah, at the heart of you, you're still the same person, but that expands in it. Well, and, and another thing I think is, is also is that we always go back to the times where we were most happy, which is usually either childhood or college or something, or mm-hmm. youth. And so we want to replicate and duplicate what that was. We we want to talk to our friends the same way in the same manner that we did then. And when it's yeah. not there, we miss it. We become wistful of it. Mm-hmm. We become nostalgic. And then we become scornful when somebody we think has changed, when they're not looking at themselves, realizing, well, you've changed too, fucker. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you're not the same person either. Yeah, and it's okay <laughs> to kind of... It's okay to change. Yeah, it's okay to change. It's okay to remember things fondly and... Well, I wanted to ask... Realize that things change. Right. Well, I, with all that being said, I wanted to ask you, you know, take my friendship with my friend, the chiropractor. I mean, I'm setting up boundaries. Not because he's a bad person. Not because I dislike him. But because he's burned me a number of times because I couldn't be the person he wanted me to be. In other words, people have, like you said, an idea of you in their mind's eye. And when you that doesn't match, then they get, become scornful of you. Mm-hmm. Speak on that. Yeah. Well, you, you just hit it. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. if you're the type of person that can't understand change and allow for it, then yeah, you just get this mindset. Well, you're not living up to who you are or who I want you to be. Yeah. So you're just not worth it. Do you, because I think that's a thing. Relationships are complicated. And so at the end of the day, humans are complicated and um, it feels like we're all in a great big hurry to throw each other out rather than work on what's there. We're all in a hurry to simply fix what's broken. And if we can't fix it in a quickness, then we just discard it like yesterday's trash. That's yeah. what Corey wants. And so I didn't even give him the satisfaction. I'm just like, he stopped calling me and I was like, fuck it. I, you okay. know, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. You know, so be it. You're not picking up your phone anymore. I'm going to take yeah. that as a sign that uh, we uh, have irreconcilable differences. 
and uh, fuck you, buddy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've talked about a lot of falling outs. See, you, it's easy to think as an outsider that a person who's experienced five or six or seven falling outs, well, it takes two to tango. There must be some quality in me that is causing these falling outs. And I really don't think I did anything wrong other than, you know, get better. I improved myself. I improved my station in life. I improved my self-esteem about myself. And when I stopped acting like the young guy who drank himself to death, getting over the uh, death of his grandmother, when I started believing in myself, that's when my friends went, whoa, 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 hey, you're changing, bro. It's like, no, I'm finally sober. I'm finally learning. I'm finally gaining perspective that I have value and worth too. And some friends are great with that. And some friends aren't. Some people base friendships on... How they can control you yeah, and be superior to I, you. Sorry, I got excited. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. Yes, sorry. What I was going to say yes. is they, they base it on feeling superior mm-hmm. to you. And if you challenge that, then they don't like it. And they can't deal with it. And they just... Yeah. Just give it up. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, people, people suck. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not what... It's easy to generalize, but no, it's life's complicated. Yeah. Okay. So I want to steer the ship back, uh, back on target here. Um, you know, I I was going to talk about the Belco experiment, not the movie, but the actual, um, event. It talks about, um, what is the main point of the Stanford prison experiment? If you've ever watched the movie, what it was, it was about a bunch of college people who went into a prison environment and, um, they were, tasked to build a structure of authority versus submissives. And uh, whenever you gave people authority, the power would uh, in turn corrupt and they would become abusive. And so uh, there's a question here on Quora. uh, What was the point of the Stanford experiment? And it says, um, the purpose was to understand the development of norms and the effects of roles labels and social expectations in a simulated prison environment. Now you can go back and watch the movie, but really this was in the seventies, 1971. And what happened was they found that when they gave power to, to make some of the people guards, even the ones who were, were getting neglected and abused would become abusive afterward. And what, and these are college people. So these aren't real prisoners. These are college Stanford college kids being put in a prison-like environment for two weeks, and over time what they realized that in social status, we come to depend on our social status, and we invariably become almost abusive or corrupted by it. And that, to me, is fascinating. And that goes very much into like the whole cult of Trumpism and the cult of what I think the Republican Party is becoming is they're becoming the rich white man party. They all have a sense of entitlement. And that kind of reminds me about the movie we just watched last night, Get Out. Wonderful movie. We finally watch it. <laughs> uh, the next episode, we're going to talk. We're going to do three movie reviews. We're going to review Get Out, Hellraiser 2022 and Rob Zombie's The Monsters. Uh, but, uh, uh, speak on, if you will, what do you think about, uh, you know, that inherent thing? You would think people that were exposed to, um, feeling ostracized or feeling abused 
would not become the abusers themselves, and yet we're and these aren't necessarily sociopaths. These are normal yeah. people. They that we find that um, sociopaths are often uh, created, not born. Yeah, crazy. And it it goes back to friendships too. Like people kind of come to feel in a position of power and take advantage of that. Which yeah, is, it's just so weird. And it it goes back to like. People that were abused as children oftentimes become abusers, even though right. intellectually you they think know they, it's wrong. They know it's wrong. You think they know how it hurt them, and yet they do the it anyway. Other way, it's you would think they very, would want to break the cycle, not yeah. perpetuate it. Yeah, you know, it's fascinating. It's yeah. just weird how people becoming into positions of power will take advantage of it, even right. if they're intellectually aware of what they shouldn't be doing. Well, it just kind of. And, that is, and that's my problem with living in a society. I consider myself a true egalitarian, which means that I don't I believe that status and all that is based on merit and character, not on wealth, not on any other factor. And unfortunately, we live in a society, whether we like it or not, that's built around class systems. And I fucking can't stand when people devalue me based on my worth or my wealth or my financial gains or my careerism. It's like, holy shit, you know? Um, you know, and that's what I love about doing this show is that, you know, it's scary. People give validation to people, not based on merit, but based on status. I mean, you take somebody like yeah. Joe Rogan. Oh, well, you're never going to be like Joe Rogan because, you know, what? Because I'm not wealthy. If I was well, a wealthy podcaster, I think it would people would feel compelled to give me more status, to give me more mm -hmm. power. It's like it's inherent in us to give power where power already exists than to give power based yeah. on um, character as opposed to monetary wealth. And that is a fascinating thing. It is. It's really weird to think about because you'd think intellectually you'd know better and you'd be able to yeah. do better. And yet we a give lot of people just cannot. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, um, I mean, ask yourself this. You go on YouTube and you want to look at a review and you see a bunch of reviews. Well, this guy has 22,000 views so and this one only has 8,000 views. You go to the one that has the 22,000 views because what? Because we assume that popularity equates to um, quality or greater quality or, or greater worth. Yeah. You know, know, and it, that's not the case. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's now hardwired. Well, and also, you know, there's some YouTubers that do well because they're good at it. And there's some who are unconventional and maybe they're, you know, just because or they just haven't been in the game as long, you know. But that's the thing about power and, and that seeking of power. And we're going to go into that as well on the Hellraiser review. Um, you know, I always try to find the greater meaning in something. But um, but this idea in our society that we get our reward or value based on our popularity, I am so, you know, even if I become famous from this, even if I were to get monetary reward from this, which I haven't yet, <laughs> <laughs> but say I do, and I pay my dues and I get there, um, I just feel like validation perpetuates validation that reward yeah. gives us reward. In other words, we grant people greater respect and greater admiration and greater sense of value 
based on what they already have instead of based on their characteristics, based on their actual intelligence or based on their actual compassion or based on their actual abilities. And so, you know, you take somebody like Trump who was born rich, you're born on third base. And I'm going to give you all this business acumen kudos when you've tanked every fucking business you've ever done. You've just had so much wealth that it took you 50 years to finally blow all your money. That's not, mm-hmm. that's not business acumen. Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> you know, but, but people weird. still worship this man. Yeah. Oh, and that just happens all across the board. It's yeah. just weird, weird thing. It is very strange. Mm-hmm. And you'd think you'd know better, but yeah, people just fall into these roles that are right. That are pre preordained. Yeah, exactly. Um, But at the end of the day, I want to end with this, okay? Now, we're talking about power struggles personally and out in the world. You know, what it boils down to is I'm trying to get my empath tribe. I'm trying to get those who perhaps don't feel great about themselves. Those regular people who don't want to feel less than just because they're working a normal, everyday, regular job. There are so many people who subscribe out there. You see it all over. You see it on social media. Well... I'm I'm a contractor, and uh, if we give uh, McDonald's workers a minimum wage uh, of fifteen dollars an hour, well, then what does that say about my worth? Nothing. Your yeah, your pay right. will probably eventually go up to 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 adjust for yeah. a cost of living adjustment. Mm-hmm. But people who sort of get their identity based on the nature of their work or based on the college experience it took to get there, speak on that. Oh, it happens all the time. Like, well, I got a college degree and I did this. So why should someone that hasn't gone through all that make as much as me or be as successful as me? You know what pisses me off about that is the fact that I went to college. I earned an associate's. I went to culinary school. I earned another culinary degree. And people want to say, well, I have a bachelor's, yeah. therefore I'm better than you. Right. Yeah. I've I been know. to school just as long as you, fucker. Yeah. Just that they don't offer four-year um, culinary degrees. It's only a two-year degree. It's an, uh, an associate's in occupational studies. Mm-hmm. Because you can't go further than that. Yeah. There's no such thing as going further yeah. than that unless you were to become a dietitian and get your you know bachelor's in dietary science or something. But I wasn't doing that. I was going for the aesthetic of being a chef, not for um, becoming a dietitian per se. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just everything's built on status and yeah. your worth is built on your status and how much money you have. And I know it's how, ridiculous. It, <laughs> and, you know, and that's just it. I'm just wholly unimpressed by people's career. Mm-hmm. Couldn't give a shit. Yeah. You got there. You might have gotten there through your own hard work. You might have gotten there because your daddy's the fucking knows the boss. Mm-hmm. You might have gotten there because it's easy to go to college when you're born with a silver spoon up your ass. Yeah. yeah. So this idea that wealth and status perpetuates more wealth and status. I mean, it's I think that's what's going on on social media like Instagram. I, I get these people all the time like, hey, podcast, would you like to buy 250,000 um, Instagram friends? No. <laughs> No, you'll see people with nine friends with four posts and they've got 7,500 followers. Yeah. What are you doing? Showing off your pussy? What the, how are you getting all these follows? Yeah. You're not doing, you're not putting in the work to earn Mm -hmm. the follows and therefore, sorry, I didn't mean to get vulgar (laughs) there, 
But I just like, are they showing off nudity? What is going on to, no, to like get that much said. fame and it's fortune? like you just said. They it's bought fake. it. fake. They bought it. Yeah. yeah. And that's why periodically Twitter and Instagram will go through and they'll get rid of these. You'll bots. lose about 100 yeah, followers. You're like, get, oh, what happened to all my followers? They'll get rid of the bot followers. The bots and the because fake it's not real. followers. It's, yeah. 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 And, and this idea, we got to get out of that mentality that um, having more followers or having more status somehow makes you more valid because mm-hmm. you know it's like joe rogan i i keep going there i'm sorry to pick on him but he is the living embodiment of his built-in fame launched his podcasting career and so when a celebrity becomes a podcaster they have this built-in following of course they're going to have more mm-hmm. views than a guy that's never been a public figure before yeah but that doesn't mean that they have better content you know um i got so pissed when i found out that um maya balik she has a neuro she has a a degree in neuroscience she has a a master's degree or no a doctorate in neuroscience and while i give her full credit for that but maya balik is also blossom she's also a famous actress she's also on jeopardy and i heard that she was going to start a big bang theory yeah, Big Bang Theory. <laughs> and I heard she, she was going to start a podcast about mental health. I'm like, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> now you're raining down my territory. Yeah, right. No, but I don't really feel that way because I like no, her. But, but but it made me feel threatened because she's got a neuroscience degree and she's got this built-in following. And I'm like, and now she's horning in on my niche. I was like, oh, girl, no. <laughs> <laughs> I felt threatened a little bit and I had to temper my mm-hmm. own feelings of, of inadequacy. Yeah. You know. But even if it wasn't about mental health, even if it was just some random person with a, a degree like that. If yeah. it was some unknown with that degree that was just as smart, knew just right. as much as she did, and started the same type of thing, she's going to way overshadow that person. And that person might not even get a chance yeah. just because of name recognition. Yeah. Well, exactly. And then and then even contrary to that, if, if you... Say you have a celebrity without a degree, then you have a non-celebrity with a degree, then you have a third person that is a non-celebrity, non-degree having person. It's kind of like Dr. Ju- Julie Orloff. She's um, the famous empath. I follow her because she has a book about being a realized empath. Now, I respect her. I respect her craft. I respect her field. But she's got this fame now because she's written some books on the subject but anytime you 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 go out there and you you see these people with this name recognition, you always realize there's a packing order. First yeah. is the celebrity, the person with the built-in baked-in fame. Second is the degree-granting fame, and so we we tend to recognize people with doctorates more so than people with non-doctorates. And then thirdly is the person, the average per- layperson. In other words, lay people don't have any expertise because they don't have a degree. Yeah. Talk on that a little bit. Well, yeah. I mean, it, having a degree does give you some expertise. It, yeah, some expertise. Sure, because, of course. Yeah, I'm not trying to invalidate all, yeah, that. No. no, exactly. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're smarter or better than anyone. Like, I think about being in San Luis with Cal Poly there. Yeah. Like all these, when I worked at Bath and Body Works. So, Tell everybody what Cal Poly is. Oh, it's, it's a, it's a university. Yeah. Um, so. Um, big college town. California Polytechnic University yeah, or big college whatever. Town. So mm. yeah, when I worked at Bath and Body Works, the majority of people that worked there 
were college kids. Right, right. And just because they were going to a university and I didn't go to university, like it just kind of feels like they're they're given the special status because right. they're going to university. Yeah. But half of those girls, all they did was fucking drink and party and they were Come in hungover. Yeah, so just because they <laughs> ended up with a bachelor's degree, they're automatically put above me. Yes. And that's just because they had the money or the to clout get to or college. whatever to get there. Because doesn't mean- it doesn't require a lot no. of work. So long as you do yeah. your homework and study for your test, you will get out. Even if you're getting, I mean, that's the thing about doctors. Some doctors yeah. got straight A's and some doctors got straight D's and you'll never know who mm-hmm. was what. Yeah. And yet because we give them all degree. this power, mm-hmm. all this authority over us. And that's the thing is I'm not trying to um, diminish <clears throat> the scholastic world. I'm not trying to say that we shouldn't give people recognition for their no but that's not everything for their yeah schooling you know but it's not everything right i feel like we're just granting people authority over us based on nothing based mm-hmm. on celebrity status or based on an education status rather than based on actual tangible experience yeah or tangible character yeah absolutely so yeah. that's why i kind of you you try to make a conscious effort to to Give smaller people a chance, like on YouTube and things, because, right. like you said, just because someone has a higher number doesn't mean they have anything better to say. Well, exactly. I mean, I think about the work we're doing, and I think about the work Joe Rogan's doing. Now, <clears throat> different niche, different topics, but I'm not saying he's completely devoid of good material. I think he does sometimes do some good things. I, I think what he's good at is um, being the everyday person, just the normal guy. He's in normal and average marks. in every way. <laughs> yeah. You know what well. I mean? He, this He knows how he's the cool guy. He's the guy that everybody, we've normalized him as being uh, our spokesman for norm, normalcy, mm-hmm. we'll say. Don't know yeah, why. Right. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and then, and then yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, is he helping more people than me? Is he actually more intellectual? I hardly fucking doubt it. Yeah. And it's not to say that I'm not trying to shit on the man, but does he deserve $26 million a year and I deserve to, to be poor for the rest of my life? Is that yeah. what we're saying we want to be as a society? That doesn't seem right. No, it's not. And so if we want to break those molds, if we want to get out of these destructive social norms, these d- destructive social practices, we have to really look in the mirror and analyze, what, do we want to be a society of class systems do we want to be a society that um, we our worth is only based on our looks or our worth is only based on uh, our wealth? We we ha- How do we break those cycles? Uh, because it seems baked in. It seems a lot of people yeah. who aren't even wealthy subscribe to these very shallow, superficial oh, absolutely. things. I think you just kind of have to be aware of it. Yeah, There's no other way to... Do it. Just try not to fall into those tropes and how society does things. It is and very tropish. That's a very is. good way of and looking just, at it. Yeah. yeah, you just have to be aware of why you're doing certain things. Why are you going towards certain people and just kind of take a step back? Is it because people are telling me I should? Right. Or is it because this person's actually worth well, following you, or well, watching? Yeah, or? I mean, that's not to invalidate celebrities. That's no. not to invalidate scholastic life. That is simply to say that people... Um, People's validation should be based on character and merit, not wealth, not the car they drive, and not necessarily the degree that they hold. Mm-hmm. 
I, you know, because I mean, look at, look at an unfamous doctor who went to med school and then look at Dr. Oz. Who would you rather go to? Who would you trust more to, to advise your life? Dr. Oz, the puppy killing freak, wealthy entrepreneur with eight houses or would you rather go to a, a, a slightly poorer doctor who has bedside manner and who has empathy? Yeah. You know? And, and who knows their stuff. And who yeah, knows their just, shit. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So it just comes down to being aware of what you're doing. Yeah. And hopefully that'll just kind of each person will become slowly more aware of what's going on. And that's the only way to change it because it's not going to yeah. just all of a sudden turn around overnight well that's what i why i did this whole episode is i wanted to talk about status you know nothing bugs me more than class systems and this and this adherence to class systems this idea that we we're supposed to subscribe to it whether implicitly or overtly it seems like people adhere to it whether they like it or not even people who claim to be egalitarians and uh, poorer people are still sort of granting credit where credit isn't due based mm-hmm. more off of shallow reasons than based off of um, content of character, for example. Yeah. And <clears throat> it's, it's easy to just fall into because it's, that's how it is. Well, getting back to friendships, you know, um, for me, I'm at a point where, you know, frankly, um, I don't need a lot of friends. It doesn't mean that I don't feel hurt, though, when they don't call or when they do call, they make it all about themselves. It's like at the end of the day, I think that's why I've become more of a hermit, because at the end of the day, you get so fed up with diminishing returns on these friendships. It's not that you hate them. It's not that there's actual animosity. It's just that. You want people to validate you, too, and you want the reciprocity to be there. I've talked about reciprocity a lot. There's just not there's a we're living in the land of diminishing returns, whether that be in friendships, whether that be in careerism, whether that be at college. You know, everything now seems to be the land of diminishing returns where, well, if you do this, you'll get this, this and this. And then you go and do it. And you're like, I didn't get that experience. That's what I did in culinary yeah. school. I worked my fucking ass off. I spent 60 grand in college and now I'm paying off fucking uh, student loans for a fucking career that tanked 10 years ago because I got so good at it. There was nowhere else to go, but into my own business. And so instead of sitting here feeling bad about myself, like I had done something wrong, I decided, no, you are an expert at this thing. So go be that, Brian. Start your own business. And when I didn't have the money to go start my own restaurant, I decided to get into radio. And that and mm-hmm. XYZ, here I am. But but that's what I'm saying is that at the end of the day, if I listen to, to, to my friends, if I listen to society, I would never believe in myself. And so what would you say to people who um, sort of have that sort of baked in um, – they only get their worth and satisfaction based off of others, the external world, instead of their internal life. How do we get yeah. folks with low self-esteem to understand that they're valuable, that they're worth it? That, that's a tough one. <clears throat> you have to hopefully people like that will listen to something like this or they'll have someone in their life that will tell them yeah. you're worth it. You just as you are. 
you're valid. Well, I mean, it's hard to we reach gr- people. But we grew up on cartoons telling us, gosh darn it, we're good enough. <laughs> and now we're, like I said, we're in America now where it seems like we've got the greatest amount of ease, the greatest amount of, of, of wealth, the greatest amount of comfort, and yet the least amount of joy. And so money, fame, uh, celebrity, uh, success, all those things don't seem to lead to the path to enlightenment or to um, self-actualization or happiness. And so if we're getting the fewest amount of instances of joyful returns, uh, what is our culture doing wrong, do you think? It's pushing the things that aren't right. It's pushing the wealth agenda and the holding the wrong people up. And I think just as you get older, you have to try to find people who are like you. Like it just, it, it just makes me think about the people that I've met since we've been up here. Um, when I met online and she happened to live in town, but yeah. I've met people that are so much like me. Like we'll literally tell each other, like you're a really good friend. I really like you. I just don't hang out with people and we all can yeah. kind of appreciate each agree. other for yeah. who we are. And we just kind of check in once in a while. And it's like, yeah. okay, just want you to know, I still care about you, but I'm an introvert. And like, oh, yeah, me That's too. And what it just, I try it to works. warn people, too, is like, mm-hmm. hey, I, I have a busy life. I have a busy business that I'm trying to do something really meaningful and powerful with my life. And it's not about ego or vanity. It's about wanting to believe in myself and wanting to do this before it's too late. I don't want to get too old where I can't do it anymore. And so I'm doing this thing. I'm uh, shooting for the moon, as they say. I'm giving it the old call is try. And I want to succeed before it's too late. Because I'm finally at a place where I believe in myself, but that's not because I think I'm superior. That's not to say that I'm all-knowing and all-knowledgeable. I have more to learn, more to grow. I'm humble in my commitment to my audience. Um, but at the end of the day, it's about believing in yourself. We're just we're taught in this society to not believe in ourselves based on imperfection. Speak on that, and how do we get folks to realize that that's not where it's at? Trying to talk to people and try it's it's hard to get through. You just have to a lot of it comes with age. I yeah. think you just start to realize that it's all bullshit and you just kinda are able to step back and see it for what it is. Mm-hmm. And just trying to be there for people and talking to people and yeah. helping them realize it's just all a bunch of artificial, superficial well, nonsense. Yeah, and once you step back, I think, and that's a good point, is Once you step back, you start to realize the games. As you get older, you stop playing games. You don't want to be a part of the corporate game. You don't want to be a part of the the he said, she said drama game. You don't want to be a part of the what you got to do to whore yourself to be famous game. You don't want to do a lot of things because at the end of the day, you realize those things are not real. And so if you're looking for validation... I really do think that the only way really truly to validate yourself is to understand your own worth. Yeah. Biologically. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> At the end of the day, status and wealth, per- perfect looking bodies d- does not add up to worth. It's internal. When you believe in yourself, you act as your own agent. And when you act as your own agent, you take agency over your life and your body and you believe in yourself enough to have the impetus and drive to motivate, to, to go out there and be whatever it is that you are. And so that's what's so neat about, you know, people who get famous like Chris Farley. Like, 
he didn't grow up rich. Mm-hmm. He didn't grow up beautiful. Yeah. But he was so funny, so naturally likable that he it, it propelled him into stardom. Yeah. I mean, it probably Absolutely. would have gotten him fired anywhere else, but in mm-hmm. the comedy world, he moved mountains. Yeah. Based and you on, just have to, you know, re- yeah, realness. Based on who he was. Yeah. Yeah. And you just have to look at the stuff. Like everybody look, watch movies and everybody's skinny and this and that. And I, even I catch myself like, wow, you know, I wouldn't mind looking like that. But then I'm like, well, I don't like to exercise and I like cake. So <laughs> that's who I am. And yeah. I'm going to be happy with that. Well, like for me, with my fitness as of late, I haven't worked out in two weeks, and it's not because I don't plan on getting back to it. I'm sure I will. I've been going into in and out of fitness my whole life, but it, it boils down to I'm letting my body recuperate. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Your nerves, your ligaments, they all get broken down. Oh, hold on, you guys. Kitty wants oh, in. She had to make her appearance. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's what older age gives you as it gives you this ability to be okay with imperfection you you're gonna have imperfect mental health you're going to have imperfect body image goals you're gonna have imperfect uh, bodies you're gonna have imperfect thinking patterns and so at the end of the day um it's not about improving for others it's improving for your own peace of mind and your own comfort yeah your own clarity and your own happiness. That's what this is all about. And yeah. so I wanted to talk about society and class systems because I, th- I think life is inherently unfair. I think it's inherently rigged. That doesn't mean it's always rigged. When I hear Trump talk about the game being rigged and out of his favor, like a bitch, your whole life is a living example of how it's rigged in your favor. What are you talking about? Yeah. But, um, but it boils down to, you know, I don't think all celebrities are bad people. I don't think um, everybody with a degree is a bad person. But these games and these institutions, the institutions uh, perpetuate a mentality sometimes that I can't be a part of. I just take my ball and want to go home because I'm emotionally mature enough to realize that's not where it's at. And so how do we convince people of all these silly, shallow, immature games that we're playing out in society sometimes for success but a lot of times just for attention how do we get these people to fill the void with real stuff rather than feeling it with shallowness because i think at the end of the day they're going to end up with a hangover of realizing oh they've got all this accumulation of uh, likes on their social media but at the end of the day it's not giving their life any more worth or value there's no there there i I don't know if there is a way to convince them. And at the end of the day, work on yourself. Yes. It's not about convincing other people. It's about being the best person you can be and giving yourself a break. And then when it comes to friendships, giving other people a break to be who they are. Right. And live their life. Yes. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And what would you say as far as um, society and, and careerism and class systems? Just, you know, this is a final thoughts. What can be derived about, you know, the class systems and this perpetuation, whether it's intentional or not? Why is it that people who are very much against class systems have this tendency to perpetuate it anyway? Because it's so ingrained in society and people, it's kind of just beaten into you every minute of every day. Well, and that's what I mean about people who don't stop to reflect. How can you grow if you're constantly in go mode? Um, 
how you know they say that the uh the empty can rattles the most it's a metallica song too but that is an old <laughs> saying the empty can rattles the most meaning that empty-headed people just talk 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 because they never shut up they never learn they never grow you know kitties kitties in the cat box now <laughs> digging to china enjoy ladies and gentlemen <laughs> So that's at at the end of the day what this whole show is about is about belief in yourself despite not having the wealth despite not having the perfect body despite not having the acumen or degree granting institution tell you you're valuable how can pe- regular people in regular jobs understand that they're just as important as all these other people if they just give themselves a fucking chance you know yeah I- like I said, I don't know about how to make other people find that out and believe that. Yeah. And you just kind of have to start with yourself and hopefully that radiates out. Right. I yeah, think. exactly. And uh, when it comes to uh, correcting some of our society's ills to make it feel more real and genuine, what would you say we can do? You know what? I'm not editing that out. Nope. <laughs> the cat can dig <laughs> it all she what wants. It is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's got to have think, her say. Exactly. Um, mm. But just it all starts with you. And hopefully yeah. you'll you'll know people. You'll be able to influence people and just kind of spread outward from there. Well, yeah. Yes. Th- there's no hate in my heart for society. There's no malice in my heart for my friends. It's just that, like I said, um, it's frustrating when we live in a world that feels so transactional. Transaction- transactional living is punching a time clock. Transactional living is trying to satisfy a a norm or satisfy a friendship based on um, just needing a friend rather than the qualities within that friend. You know what I mean? And, And so I just, I feel like I'm just at a point where I'm perfectly comfortable being by myself because I get plenty of experience with other people. And frankly, I just don't see the utility anymore of being around other people because I mean, frankly, I, I, they're not usually smarter than me. They're not usually more well-rounded than me. And a lot of times they start bringing all of their emotional problems, their emotional game playing. And so I'm not trying to tell people to go be a hermit. What I'm telling people is to be careful out there society, whether you meet good people or not. um, uh, It's only a matter of time where a sociopath gets past your net and you end up with people like we ran into with these girls on Facebook, these silly, know-nothing girls, shallow, nonsense girls who are just shit talkers, absolutely ingrained in a, in a superior complex that uh, is, is without merit. It's just it's mm-hmm. ridiculous. The game playing in our society has, has gone far enough. And that's why I hate corporations. That's why I hate this idea that other people can be our authority figures. And that's why you see so much corruption, because just like that Belco experiment, you see that when you give people authority, they tend to abuse it. It's just how it goes. I mean, look at the police during Black Lives Matter. Now, I respect the police officers. We, it's a, I think there's a lot of good cops out there who do it right. But there's a whole bunch of fucking Barneys that do it wrong. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, mm-hmm. That's what I mean is if we create a better society by being more discerning in who and what we bring into our life. Yeah, definitely. Being mindful of it beforehand so that you don't accidentally let some creep, some 
nonsense piece of shit person with bad regressive points of view fuck up this wonderful life that you've created for yourself yeah it's special and you don't want to bring in just anybody all into that you know what i mean yeah energetically be careful yeah yeah absolutely anyways any last words baby Mm, no no (laughs) (laughs) no not really yeah i don't think so okay Yeah, but that's what I'm talking about is that life is complicated. Being human, being a social animal is very complex, you guys. And uh, it's this constant balance of things, our physical needs, our emotional needs, our intellectual needs. You know, Jeffrey Dahmer had the audacity to say that um, in prison he was going to need constant mental stimulation i'm like you should have thought about that shit beforehand fucker right maybe if you would applied some of that to your friendship gathering rather than your um body count gathering you could have because i mean that was the thing about jeffrey dahmer is that he was a loser in every respect he he was a you know and there's a difference between someone being a loser uh because they refuse to grow they refuse to change they refuse to see the writing on the wall everybody has value in this world but there are going to be some people that are just pathologically predisposed to being losers. And Jeffrey Dahmer had an alcohol problem. Jeffrey Dahmer had a debilitating psychosexual curiosity that led him to, to temptation. And, uh, but the problem was is that he, he couldn't function as an adult. He fucked up in the army. He fucked up at every job he ever had. He fucked up every friendship he ever had. And uh, what do you think that is? I think it was, well, large part of it was his alcoholism, yeah. which kind of took away boundaries. and Yeah, erased all those yeah. lines, those boundaries exactly. of decency. So right. he allowed that to take over. And he just, he either he didn't know how to reach out, although it was different times too. Like, you know, psychological issues were kind of swept under the rug more then. Mm-hmm. But he didn't try to change he didn't try to get help he kind of like got to a point where something happened and he killed a person and he just went fuck it yeah this is what's happening he just decided not to change and and, not to try to do better and how can we use that example as a slippery slope in our own lives obviously that is worst case scenario (laughs) for all people i would hope yeah but, but if, reach out to other people. If you have an alcohol problem, if you have an addiction, yeah. or if you have something wrong with you mentally, um, yeah, reach out for help be, before yeah. it becomes the debilitating um, catalyst that eventually, you know, is the beginning of the end for your demise. You know, the, yeah. understand the, the telltale signs before it happens, I think. Yeah, definitely. You know, obviously, hopefully, n- nobody's yeah. <laughs> that, but... No. But I just mean to say, though, that, um, you know, that guy, man, you know, I think it's normal to have sexual curiosities. It's normal to have fantasies. But when you obsess on it to the point where you start living out this fantasy world of depravity, oh, my God, it's just as an empath, it energetically made me feel empty inside. Like, first, you see all this depravity in his nature. And then you see the depravity and everybody's desire to want him to fry. And it makes you realize that the blood sport that is the human race is kind of fucking makes you, leaves you feeling empty inside. Mm-hmm. There's a void. Yeah. So how do we f- fill that void, that emptiness we feel from the, the lacking, the depravity in our own society, Jeffrey Dahmer aside? Yeah. 
you just have to try to find things that help you that make that bring you comfort that make you feel good about yourself and about mm-hmm. life it's just find the little things that work for you yeah. i think you just have to start small and then sometimes that can lead to bigger things sometimes it doesn't just try to be content with absolutely yourself and what's around you yeah you know i mean at the end of the day i think it's just it's hard to assess yourself so assess yeah. where you're at that's why i always tell people write things down write pros and cons write down your ambitions and goals short-term goals long-term goals write down your traits that make you a good person write down your traits that make you a bad person or things you need to work on um at the end of the day self-reflection is hard and yeah, too many people i think <clears throat> are like jeffrey dahmer in the sense that they're a cum- accumulation of bad recessive traits that have just sort of compounded into a chaotic mess. And you have to energetically and emotionally and mentally sort all those crossed wires out so that you can find a baseline of, of normalcy and comfort and goodness within yourself. Yeah, definitely. You know? Yeah, and it takes work. And it does. Yeah. And it takes self-reflection. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want to play in society's games, then do it on your level. Do it the way you want it. But, yeah, that's why I wanted to do this show, because there's a lot involved in trying to find your identity in capitalism, in a society, with friends around who are oftentimes trying to be like be your superior, you know? Mm-hmm. So, anything else, baby? I don't think so. This went went on a little too long, I'm going to admit. (laughs) Anyways, you guys, we're going to be back with one more episode this week. We're going to talk about the Hellraiser 2022 review. I'm going to talk about what the the Cenobites and what that whole lore is all about and the mental health and spiritual implications of all that. And then we're going to talk about the Munsters review, and we might even do a little bit of Get Out review. So movie reviews coming next, you guys. But thank you guys so much. Sorry this went long. Uh, I hope you guys got something good from this. If you want to contribute to our Patreon, come on over to Chef Bride Comedy. That's Patreon forward slash Chef Bride Comedy. If you can't, if you just need all of my links, go to go over to my Linktree. That's Linktree.com forward slash Chef Bride Comedy. And baby, where can they find you? Spooky, nerdy gal. Yes, sirree, Bob. Thank you so much, babe. Always insightful, always good. And uh, you guys... I hope you got something good from this. We will see you next time. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.